0: Welcome to Let's Talk with Sanctuary, a podcast designed for women in ministry. I'm Bridget Tomlin, founder of Sanctuary, a ministry for ministry wives. Our desire is to break free from isolation and foster authentic connection. Let's redefine Sanctuary. Welcome to Let's Talk, Episode 1. This is so exciting, and I am just thrilled to be on board with what God is doing. I've said often this is kind of an unprecedented time and kind of an unusual time to start brand new things. But when it comes to obeying the Lord, um, all of us have this similar experience. Sometimes he asks us to do uncomfortable things in very inconvenient times. And uh, even doing a podcast for Sanctuary, it's something that I've been kind of Asked about several times over the last three to five years uh, since Sanctuary has been in existence, and I listen to podcasts, but I'm kind of new to even listening. It's not been something I've done commonly until the last year or so, and um, been asking the Lord for a lot of direction on this and kept being asked, and, and finally, I just put it on the line back even in the spring and just said... Now, Lord, I have asked you to bring me somebody or some indication that this is something else you want me to do. And I just heard it so clearly where he said, just do it already. So here we are, and I'm excited to take this new adventure with each of you who will be listening, and I hope that you will share this with your friends. And uh, we're just looking forward to our first episode today, and our guest is Lisa Goins. And just an amazing woman of God. I've known Lisa for many years. She and her husband Kelly are the co pastors of Faith Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She is a mom of four grown children, and I think close to when this airs, all four of them by then will have been married, and she's going to become a grandmother soon. And we'll have to talk about that. And she's also an entrepreneur. And then we're going to talk today about this book that she wrote and published this last year called Courageously Uncomfortable. So, welcome to Let's Talk, Lisa. Thank you again so much for being here. And for sharing your heart with us today, I know that everybody's going to be blessed just getting to know you and hear from what God's speaking to your life. So will you just share with us a little bit about your connection with Sanctuary?
1: Yes, I will. So I am so thrilled to be here and be the guest on your first podcast. When you mentioned it um, probably a month ago when I saw you at one of our Let's Connects and you said you were talking about a podcast, I thought, yes, that's it. That's exactly what you should be doing. So I'm so thankful that you are. Um, My connection with sanctuary, goodness, my connection with your family runs deep (laughs) because of my husband knowing your family. Your family was one of the first ministry families outside of my church that I ever met. Um, But you started this ministry for women, for pastors' wives and women in ministry to connect them together. And I think, wow, I don't know why this hasn't been happening all along. And um, so I'm a champion for what you do because it's such a necessary thing.
0: You have been at several of our Let's Connect events that we started. That was one of those things that was kind of a byproduct, honestly. I We had the retreat, and that was all I really cared about. And then there were some ministry wives that just wanted to get together for dinner. And so we started those out um, here in Tulsa. And then uh, I think we had one in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And you started coming to some of those early ones. And um, that has just been a really uh, amazing Outlet for a lot of ministry wives, and I think honestly too, uh, Lisa, there's a lot of a lot of women that, you know, of course we're we're always talking about isolation, and that that is really a huge tool of the enemy uses to break down the leadership, the the spiritual leaders, um, ministries, and ministry wives, and um, so a lot of times I think we underestimate the fact that other people need that connection in the same that we do same way that we do. And so making that a priority and you've always been such a huge, um, a huge part of that and making others feel that connected, the connection that they need to feel just being present in a room, not having any responsibilities. You're not having to lead anything. We're not having to teach anything or arrive early or stay late. You just show up and have dinner and connect with women. And so that's awesome. Well, the title of your book, like we said, is Courageously Uncomfortable, and yet as I was reading it, and you open up with chapter one, and you're talking about Tamar, and her primary characteristic that you bring out of her is being a risk taker. So share with us what your favorite takeaways are from like Tamar's story, and how that really inspired you personally in stepping outside of your comfort zone and becoming more courageous.
1: Yeah. So that was an interesting place to start in the book because you don't, you know, I think we don't hear a lot about Tamar. She's not your normal Sunday morning message that you talk about. And, (laughs) you know, at the heart of it, she did prostitute herself with her father-in-law, you know, at the basis of that story. But when I was, when I did the book, I picked specifically the four women that were in Lineage of Christ, the ones that were mentioned in the Bible. And so she was the first one. And and I had to start there. And all I could think of was here she was faced with a situation that she was in. And the only way out of it was to take a risk without having any idea what the outcome would be. True. She had no idea. She just she just saw this as the opportunity that she was supposed to take. And and I think, wow. How many times in my life have I not done something that I felt like I probably should or was supposed to, but because I couldn't define what the outcome would be or look like or know that it would go in my favor, I just shrunk back and backed down and didn't do it. And so Mm -hmm. I think, wow, that's got to be a lesson that we take from Tamar because on the other side of her risk, if it didn't go in her favor, she was facing death. You know, death. Yeah, it was a
0: significant risk. Right. It
1: wasn't just, uh, oh, you know, you might fail or be unsuccessful. No, she would die. And how many things are on the other side of what we're afraid to do? And death's not on the table. True. Goodness. But so much is on the table if we think about it. So, at the heart of who I am, I was afraid to do most everything. So I needed to learn in my life to be a risk taker, to be able to take steps of courage without having the outcome completely clear before I was willing to do it.
0: So good. You know, obviously you had no idea what we would be encountering in 2020 yeah. when you wrote this book. And I I guess my question for you would just be, how do you think the principles of your book are playing out in the midst of what we're seeing to be a worldwide pandemic and our nation's total unrest?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I can't think of more uncomfortable times that we could be in, <laughs> exactly. you know, and and really facing such uncertainty that we have no idea sometimes what tomorrow is going to look like. Are our kids going back to school or are they not going back to school? What what mm-hmm. these moms with these children and having to face just not even knowing from week to week what's going to happen with their kids. I mean, I, I don't know if I could have survived that when my kids were young. I was a wow, how soon are those doors opening for school kind of mom, you know? You didn't want to homeschool your four children? No, by July 15th, I would be driving by the school being like, open, 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 you know? It was like the one place that no matter what, they had to take my four kids for 6.5 or 6.5 hours a day, and they couldn't turn me down. You know, I got to take them, and they couldn't say, no, I'm sorry, Ms. Goins, your kids can't come today you know? So anyway, that's a sideline, but I don't, I, it's a tough time. No, no doubt. So uncomfortable. So if we are not just learning to move forward in uncomfortable times, you know, learning to make our decisions, not based on what is my, the most comfortable way I can get through this circumstance versus what we're seeing now is that we really are having to learn how to rise up and be courageous Mm -hmm. in our thoughts Mm -hmm. and in our steps. And, sometimes even what we believe and why we're making the decisions that we're doing. Oh, yeah. And if we don't, if we aren't finding that inner courage that we have within us, even though we're still uncomfortable, we're really just sunk. We're going to shrink so, back so true. and and that that can't happen. So
0: true. So how are you and your family handling things, right down?
1: Yeah. Well, thankfully, like you said, I have four grown kids. So besides yes, the fact... About, <laughs> okay, you have four children they were, they're how many years apart? Okay. So we had four kids that were born in three years because we have a set of twins in the middle. So yes. So they were a cluster of kids and it is, I mean, really my, my claim to fame is that I raised those four kids and survived it. Like I'm here talking to you today and they are adult children and and fairly productive in society, even. (laughs) So that is like a bonus, you know, and they're almost, almost all the way out of school, almost all married. And so, yeah, that, that's, um, but life has been, has been a
0: circus. You guys are leading a church. You're, you are, you know, you're a businesswoman. There's so many different factors to your life. How has this impacted Really your decision, I mean, I'm sure that there's moments where you're like, maybe I shouldn't have written a book about being so courageous right yeah. now in, in, in how you're making those own choices for yourself, your personal life and your mm-hmm. ministry right now.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it probably holds true for a lot of people in that, that thing that you write about, sometimes it's just the thing that you spoke about will come back and hit you right in the face in new ways. And this yeah. really has done this for me. As a matter of fact, I spoke in church, did the Sunday message a few weeks ago and spoke pretty transparently at the end with probably way more tears flowing than what I perceived coming about how I... I had a breakdown even during quarantine and wanted to quit, was ready to quit ministry. And so I have to think, okay, I can't be the only one. This whole pandemic and the life of, of pastors and their families, it hit us all, and we didn't see it coming. I mean, how how— we never thought the doors of our churches would be shut and that churches we know it would close. We had no idea that that could be coming. And, and then when it did, and navigating through what that looks like and trying to hold a church together and trying to not, you know, not to mention how your whole church feels like it's falling apart, but your own family is trying to adjust mm-hmm. to the new mm-hmm. way of doing things. It was just so unexpected that I think even the most courageous of person had to sit back and think, okay, God. I know you're still there and you're the same God and you're still as powerful as you've ever been, but what is happening here to, to my life? And, and that hit us just like
0: it probably did a lot of people. So true. It's, it's been, um, remarkable. And I've, I'm finding that I'm needing to press, press in, in a different level Mm -hmm. to be able to hear exactly how I'm supposed to feel about it, what I'm supposed to think, how I'm supposed to respond, what, you know, we know what's expected of us by our culture or by our society or by our government, but what does God want for us to do? And how am I supposed to think about this? And it's so important for us to lean into that so that we are um, able to not just obey him, but are in a place where he can protect us Mm -hmm. and really guide us into Really, our assignment. And I, I've, res, I've reminded even my own kids, and you know, because I think sometimes um, as a mom, I have, you know, young children, and I think this isn't the life I wanted for my girls. Mm-hmm. This isn't what I, this isn't the childhood I had hoped for them. And I have to keep reminding myself God knows the end from the beginning, and He knew when they needed to be born, He knew when they needed to be um, on this planet and stationed and, and, and put in this and who he could trust. And so really, mm-hmm. if nothing else, that should encourage all of us. We're all frustrated, I'm sure, and wanting to quit from one moment to the next and all these different things, but we have to be reminded that God put us here for such a time as this, and we just got to make it. We just mm-hmm. got to keep standing.
1: Yeah, we have to realize that we really do have that strength. I remember, and I wonder if other ministry wives felt this going through this season, but there were so many things happening within our church and families, and people were going through lots of things. And it almost be- because we weren't seeing them on a regular basis uh, on a Sunday or yeah. touching, you know, a face to face conversation on a Wednesday night, perhaps. Um, it, it felt almost impossible to really stay connected. Mm-hmm. But then it – and we would try and and make phone calls and check in on people, but it wasn't long before people started, you know, getting their feelings hurt if you didn't check on them after a certain <laughs> amount of time or, well, I haven't heard from you or – but it was so hard to keep up with everyone that I found myself keeping up with the problems that, like, were brought right to my attention and taking care of that. And after a while – People's feelings were hurt. And I just remember thinking, but no one's checking on me. Oh, yeah. I mean, it really is that that age-old it- – if the enemy will let it, he'll make sure the focus gets back to yourself mm-hmm. to bring you down. But that's really what was happening. It, it became impossible to keep up with everybody and make people happy. And then I just kept thinking, but nobody's checking on me. What do they think is happening here? I'm going through this just like you are. Yeah. And um, it it was just a crazy time to to um, navigate through. And I think, okay, the the enemy is, he's, he's tricky and he's smart and he'll get to our, our feelings of inadequacy at any season of our life. We don't conquer it once and it's
0: done. It is a constant fight. It is. It's a constant fight until we reach the victory and we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're not, uh, we're not home yet. Yep. And so that constant skill you know, squaring our shoulders and determining that we are going to be courageous. You know, I think a lot of times about Joshua when they were, you know, headed into battle and how many times in that one section of scripture where God is saying, don't be afraid, be of good courage, don't be afraid, be of good courage. But he, in, in between each of the assignments and the do this and do that, was the constant reminder, don't be afraid mm-hmm. and be of, uh, be of good courage. And so we're having to do that, I mean, probably several times a day, uh, depending on the day yeah. right now, for sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, each of your chapters in your book, you talk about, uh, you bring out the phrase, she knew. Mm-hmm. And you you share a she knew statement with each of these chapters and the women that you focus on. So how did you come to the place where you personally could decide what you knew that you wanted to become?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was by learning who i didn't want to be, okay. you know because if you you know I came to realize in my life if you don't really understand who you want to be, then you'll become anything that the world sets in front of you or you or trying to fit in or trying to be this because somebody sets the expectation and thinks you should, mm-hmm. or you know if you don't know who you want to be you'll I realized I would become the girl that I never planned on being, and I could see that through the series of mistakes and things that I had made throughout my life, even before coming into the ministry, but when you know who you want to be in Christ, and you know what girl you want to be, and you understand just what God has put you and placed you here in this world for, and for that purpose, then, then you can... You can anchor your decisions in who you are and your confidence in that. But without understanding and knowing. Who you want to be. You're just, you're just that flibberty gibbet in the wind mm-hmm. who just changes. And that's a scary place to be in ministry because oh, there will yeah. be people saying, Oh, well, you should be this. You should be the door greeter. Well, you should be back here helping us make the coffee. Oh, I think you should be up there on stage singing with worship. I think you should be leading the prayer group every Friday night. I think you should. And you'll just try and do everything because people think you should. But understanding what you know about your life and being that girl who knows is, um, I think, just really key in our life. Not just a life of ministry, but a life in Christ.
0: Oh, completely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because that, you know, of course, especially in the ministry, there's always people that have the definition of of who the pastor's wife should be, what she should do, or Mm -hmm. what that missionary should do, or... That woman in ministry, who she should be, what she should look like. I think that we've evolved quite a bit over the last Mm -hmm. couple of decades, but really not really. Yeah, (laughs) I think you're right. There's still a lot of those uh, perceptions there. And it's always easier to guide from the cheap seats than it is to actually square up and just make it happen. So what I I think probably one of your best attributes, Lisa, is just that you make yourself so vulnerable and, and you're so authentic. And I think that it would be of value if you could share even just a small piece of advice with that brand new ministry wife. When you mm-hmm. think back to when you went from being Lisa Freeman to Lisa Goins, what's a piece of ministry or advice that you would give to that brand new young ministry wife? Hmm. Wow. I, there's... I feel like there's so much that I wish I could say
1: for a ministry wife but probably the thing that I didn't have for so long because I didn't even realize that I needed it was would be to to seek out some other friends in ministry like to really it really it's what you do in sanctuary when you provide that that gathering atmosphere for for women to connect but I didn't, number one, I didn't know I needed that. I would have been afraid to admit that I did, and mm-hmm. and but because of that, I just felt lost. So I think it's, if you think you're supposed to go at this ministry life on your own and understand how to navigate through it, and I don't care what age you are when you enter in the ministry, whether you're a 20-something brand new or it's a, a career that you're just hitting later in life, you have got to link arms with some other women in ministry, not we we all need friends and relationships, but you will, in ministry, um, be shepherding people. But if you don't if you don't align yourself with some women that understand a little bit about the life you're about to navigate through, then then you're setting yourself up for some hard times. So, I would say it absolutely has to be that relationship.
0: It's crucial. Mm -hmm. You know, it's obviously going to probably not come to any surprise to you that one of my favorite chapters in your book um, is where you talk about squad goals, Mm -hmm. and that kind of builds on this premise, you know, where you bring out one of the crucial elements that we're continuously promoting at Sanctuary, and that is just the the value of intentional connection. Mm -hmm. And so talk about why you feel that authentic connection, because there's a difference in just showing up. Mm -hmm. We're all good. I think uh, as professional ministry wives, being able to show up and appear connected, but that intentional, authentic connection—like being being yourself and being able to to be honest enough um, with another ministry wife—why why do you feel like that is so vital? For, I know that we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. so share a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so I I think if not, if you don't find the way to have those authentic relationships in your life, I think they're strategic when you're in the ministry to have them in both places. I think you have to have them with other ministry wives, and you need them with some people a circle of people around you that you trust. And that is so hard to do because nobody wants to put their flaws out on the table. Right. It, it doesn't matter who you are. And I think in the ministry, especially because we are trying to lead and guide people you know, onward in their life, it can be hard to admit that we're still... But at the same time, we're still onward and being led ourselves. And so... Um, but nobody likes to put their flaws out there. But if if you don't, I think we, we get to the end of <laughs> our life. And I've seen it with ministry women who have spent time without being able to be vulnerable, without building authentic relationships. Again, I learn sometimes the hard way by thinking, I don't want to be that. So then it's, something's got to mm-hmm. change. And and then when, when you're no longer, maybe you're not leading a church anymore, but you look around and there aren't a lot of people that know who you are. If you get to the end of your life and you're not surrounded by people who know who you are, who can sit down and laugh about the mistakes that were made and and cry tears together as you remember the heartbreaks that you went through together, then what have you gotten through in your life? Because our life is meant to be lived together. And it it's not easy. We can't just create a friendship by deciding, hey, I want to be your friend. Let's just hear I'm going to throw up everything I've ever done on you and let's go. But it's learning to live a life of just tiny transparencies. And those tiniest of transparencies that you can learn to share with someone, God will make sure that the people are in your life that are meant to be there. If you'll just open up and begin to share, you'll find yourself with a circle of people around you that know you and love you and trust you that will show up no matter what and be there For anything in your life. And I think I don't want to be that girl who sits back and thinks, oh my goodness, I'm going through this crisis and nobody, I have no one to talk to. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't want to be that girl. I want to be the girl who can have some authentic friendships. And I think honestly, that's the only way we grow because sometimes it isn't just the crisis in life, sometimes we need a swift kick in the pants. (laughs) We need someone to kick us out of our own pity party. We need someone to say, yeah. you know, I was writing courageously uncomfortable. I remember I was complaining to a friend of mine that I was gaining weight. And it was because I was sitting and writing for so long and I was used to being so active. I'm like, I, I know what's wrong. I just, it's like, I'm, I'm eating like a workhorse, but I'm moving like a turtle. <laughs> and I just, and she's like, well, Lisa, what are you eating? I said, well, you know, I love M&Ms and cookies. And she's like, well, I think you need to trade your cookies for some carrot sticks. You know, nice. that's your problem. And I think, well, you know, after I got over being upset with her, I thought, that's the kind of friends I want yeah. in my life. The ones that are willing to tell me the truth when I need to hear it, that are with me no matter what, good, bad, or otherwise. I just don't want to get to the end of my life without being surrounded by authentic friendships. And um, and because of that, it, it's very um, big on my heart to to keep that message alive in the women, even in my own church to surround themselves with people, to live an authentic and a, a transparent life with others.
0: That's so good. And I've watched you do that. And I, I read this even in your book. you know, In chapter two, you talk about the, the cost of fitting in at the writer's conference that mm-hmm. you attended. That, I mean, when you were writing that story, I mean, I'm visualizing you at this conference sitting at the table. And I really think that a lot of women in ministry can definitely identify with that, um, I've watched; it's it's fascinating. Of course, I'm by nature an introvert myself, and so I, I've teased uh, through the years that I'm a trained introvert because really, ministry doesn't allow you to be a true introvert mm-hmm. if you're going to be effective in it. You have to kind of coax yourself up into being good with a lot of people pretty frequently. Um, but just watching women in ministry come into a room that they are not in charge of the event. Or they don't. They're not leading um, in that environment, and watching them come into a situation like that where they are feeling vulnerable just by being there with no responsibilities. Mm-hmm. But your experience there um, at that conference really shaped the way that you are intentionally connecting now.
1: Yeah, it really did. because, And you're right. I mean, there there's a part of us that we like to go places where we're not in charge because we can... Sanctuary, you can do that. You can take a breath and think, you're right, I don't have to clean up or be the last one out the door. But it when a group of women who are in ministry get together, and I found that at a writer's conference, I wanted to write, and I was there to learn and make friends, and all of a sudden I'm walking in, but I'm measuring myself up against everybody else who's there. Mm-hmm. all of a sudden, everybody else is so much better, they have more skills they're they're they've been doing this a lot longer, but when we as ministry wives show up in a group of our peers, sometimes we immediately begin to measure ourselves against what we think other people think about us or what we perceive is so much better about their life, their church, their ministry, their family, their whatever. And all of a sudden we just diminish ourselves, and we just shrink back because we think I- I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to be. And it it's always just these thoughts in our head that make us think those things mm-hmm. like, because as if no one else is walking in trying to measure their life against us, but we all sometimes do it in that, that group and and it, it just stops us short of, of being able to really open up that something is wrong. If you think everything is right about the girl right beside you, it's hard to admit that, you know, you hated your church this last Sunday when you were there. <laughs> you yeah. know, you cried tears on your way to the church because you just didn't want to go. You thought, I cannot take it one more Sunday. But you wiped the tears off your face and put a smile on your face and carried your Bible in and went on your way. But nobody knew that you had just been crying 10 minutes before. And if we can't say that to someone and, and be able to, and I, you know, we're not always in that place, but sometimes we are, and we have to be able to talk about it. And so I realized, though, that, that the way I felt at that writer's conference, as I shrunk back and just thought everybody else was, was, had it all together, and I was the only one who didn't, that was the way I was leading the women in my church. I I thought, if I feel like this here, I wonder what the women in my church feel like when they walk through the door. Do they feel like they can't have an authentic conversation because the pastor's wife always looks like she's put together? (laughs) Because I wasn't put together, but I sure put on a good show like I was. And so it really helped me identify that number one, I'm not the only one that can feel this way. There has to be women out there. This must be the feeling every time they walk through the doors. They're fighting on their way to church in the car with their husband, and they walk through and smile, and yeah, I'm good. How about you? Mm -hmm. You know, and they just don't get there. So then I thought, okay, then I'm going to learn to be, I'm going to learn to live my life the way I wish someone had, I I wish someone had said, Lisa, this, this, if if you'll just share a little bit more about yourself, you're going to, it's not going to help you. It's going to help all of the people around you, and so I just it, it began to change the way I did ministry in my church, and it really has changed the dynamics of the women in this place. And I think that's that's worth it. Sure, that's worth it.
0: And it's a delicate dance. I know as mm-hmm. leaders, you know we have to be guarded in in you know there's a there's a fine line between being relevant and relatable, and then just flat out. Um, lowering our standard Mm -hmm. in order to be um, connected to the people we're trying to lead we do need to be a step or two ahead of them Mm -hmm. but we also have to be wide open especially when we're that's why the the connection with our peers is so crucial because uh we can we can be that and and i have i really have tried to encourage women that are considering um reaching uh as I talk a lot about going across the street, you know, finding someone that's serving in a in a church in your community that you can maybe uh, reach out to. It may be that you're doing great right now, but it may be that in your your season of doing okay that someone else could really use the benefit of your company and your encouragement. Mm-hmm. And it is a risk when we talk about, I mean, it's not the kind of risk that Tamar had, uh, you know, but it is a risk to put your, I mean, I, I've, I haven't made multiple invitations to coffee. I've, you know, put myself out there in in a very uncomfortable way, because it's not something that I just feed off of personally, but I also know myself know well enough that if I don't, put myself out there, I will cave mm-hmm. every time I will hide out. And we see a lot of that tendency probably now more than ever, we, you know, not just even in um, relationship, but I mean, of course, our, our whole society is kind of hunkered down, you know, like, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're afraid, we're finding ourselves being afraid to be in community. And do you feel like a little bit that that is something that the enemy is using or will use to break up what God intended for us to do life
1: together? I absolutely think it's a huge way that the enemy is working right now to break people up. I believe it because I'm right there with you, Bridget. I, I would much rather stay home in my sweatpants and just turn something on TV and not mess with people. Yeah. I really would. Uh, But at the end of the day, comfortable is – it's like it's okay for your sweatpants, but it cannot be the philosophy that you gauge your life relationships with. And so – we have to make it, and like you said, you, you make yourself do that because you know, but really, you know, because it's not just about you. At the end of the day, we have to realize that this whole life that we're living is about so much more than just ourselves. because mm-hmm. there is a girl on the other side of a coffee cup across the table that needs you to be the one willing to invite her. And show up because what we don't know is that girl, when her life changes, who knows on the other side of her, the lives that she can affect. And if we just keep shrinking into our comfortable worlds in our houses and not reaching out, there are just lives being left untouched. Mm-hmm. And maybe that that probably is thinking that comes with age, <laughs> you know, clearing some space in your schedule. My kids are grown. I have a little bit more freedom and I think about that a little bit more now, but I think, wow, there were strategic people in my life that, that pushed relationship with me until I just couldn't push them away. But that mm-hmm. is what I needed in my life. And so um, there, we, have to, we have to be about making, you know, it's until the making a difference for other people becomes our motivation, we're always going to find an excuse not to do it. Other people have got to become a motivation in our life. And I think when that happens, the Lord gives us ways to also hold our own lives together and our own families together. You know, it takes prioritizing and balancing like anything else, but we can't separate ourselves from other people and from this world. They need us. We need to be together. We need each other.
0: That's so good. One of my favorite quotes from your book is this, somewhere someone is going to be grateful you made a way instead of making an excuse. Yes. That's funny. I forgot I wrote that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so true. I mean, i
1: I can look back and and know that I'm grateful that somebody made a way for me. That when I was younger, somebody called me at a super inconvenient time and reached out to me and invited me to come back to church. I, I mean, I'm grateful that people didn't make excuses in my life when they were reaching out to me. And so, um, yeah, we're we're here to to help make a way for other people.
0: And that's so. So vital, not just in a ministry perspective, but for us mm-hmm. as human beings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I know that there's, you know, a lot of our listeners will be listening to this and going, I have given my entire life for ministry. What do you mean I'm not giving my life for other people? Mm-hmm. But this intentional investment, um, even just with other women or with um, women who are leading in ministry, similarly, people that can understand where you're coming from, people that can speak into your life. Mm-hmm. That doesn't just come by sitting back. And if we are sitting and waiting for someone to just make that happen for us, it never will. And we'll suffer in silence. There's a lot um, that comes, uh, it's very rarely. There's some great things that come from alone time when you are, you know, intentionally resting or finding time with the Lord. But there's also significant. Tragedy that can happen in the isolation of our own thoughts, especially with the comparison trap that most women mm-hmm. deal with. Yeah, so true. I love what you're what you're promoting with this, and 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 if if you pick up Lisa's book, you're going to read more about um, how to become more courageous, even in uncomfortable situations. Whether that pertains to your personal life, um, your thought life, the way that you make decisions for. Um, the choices that you're going to make for, you know, your career choice or the way that you handle leadership or any, anything that is a part of your life. And I, I think that it's very important for you to pick up this book. I will tell you this, Lisa, I really felt so honored that you would share the things that you shared about mm-hmm. your own discomfort and your own mm-hmm. lack of courage at moments in your life. And I think that it, we empower one another when we're willing to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, I'm learning to live my life with willingness and obedience and trying to just say yes and just let God script the rest from there. But I, I do think, again, I I understand it, it's come back to haunt me sometimes, the transparencies and different things. And it always will. Somebody, There will always be somebody to throw a negative spin on something that you've done, but it can't be an excuse to to not just try and keep going and trying to live, again, just the tiniest of transparency can change the life of another person.
0: That's amazing.
1: Tell us about how we can pick up your book. Yeah, so you can pick it up. Um, I do have a website that's lisajgowens.com. You can buy it there. When you buy it on my website, you do get a little gift with purchase, so that's kind of fun. But it's also on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com or just the different places that you buy books. So...
0: Well, thanks again so much for being with us today. This has been so fun, and we're honored that you would um, join us, those of you that are listening, and hope that you will share this with somebody that you care about. Thanks again, Lisa, for your time today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Visiting again next time on Let's Talk. Thank you for joining us today for Let's Talk with Sanctuary. If you enjoyed today's podcast, do us a favor and subscribe today and then share the good news about this brand new podcast designed for women in ministry with a ministry wife that you really care about. Stop by Sanctuary online by visiting our website, sanctuaryministrywives.com, where you'll find more information about Let's Connect events that are taking place four times a year across the nation. Our goal is to break up isolation, so let's connect.